First Samuel, how many of you guys have read First Samuel before? All right, I'm sure we've all heard about First Samuel, um, what, First Samuel 17, David and Goliath, we all know that one from Sunday school. Um, we're going to start just, first of all, looking at Samuel, um, whom the book is named after. Um, Samuel was a prophet um, that God raised up. I love the, the story about his mom, Hannah, who couldn't have a baby, and she goes to, to church. She goes to the temple, and it seems like she's drunk. It seems like, or at least that's what the priest thinks, and she's praying, and she, she wants a baby, and God grants her a baby, and she dedicates that baby to the Lord. Uh, by the way, we, we believe in baby dedication here, not baby baptism, infant baptism, where as parents we commit a child to God and to train them up and raise them up in God's ways. Um, similar concept, of course, we're not giving our kids to the church to live with the church for the rest of their lives, uh, uh, like Hannah did with, with Samuel. Um, but Samuel, so I, I love First uh, Samuel three, where it starts off. Um, let's see, First Samuel three, yeah. Now Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. I, this is significant. This is one of the things that has stood out to me as I read through, have read through Samuel. I think it's interesting that the author points this out, that there was no, that the word of God was rare in those days, and there was no frequent vision. Um, and so what does God do about that? God does something about that because God wants to communicate with his people. And so throughout uh, redemptive history, we see God using a Moses or using a Joshua or using a David or, or a Samuel or Jesus, New Testament, or Holy Spirit, all right? So God God finds a way to communicate and instruct and guide and lead his people. And here we have him raising up a prophet, God raising up this leader, Samuel, who from a young age hears God's voice. I love this. He hears God's voice. He hears God calling him at a very young age. Um, verse 2, it says, At that time Eli, whose eyesight had begun, begun to grow dim, so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel and he said, here am I. And he ran to Eli and said, here am I, for you called me. But he said, no, I did not call you. Go lie down. And so he went and laid down. And so this, this happened. Okay, this happened, I think, three times. And then uh, Eli's like, okay, next time, next time that happens, Say, speak for your servant hears, okay? Because God is speaking to you. So Eli recognized that, that God was speaking to Samuel. God was calling Samuel, raising up this, this prophet of the Lord. And he was raising him up under some poor leadership. Um, we, as we read the story, we see that Eli had some sons that he was not putting in check. He was not leading well or doing anything about the injustice of what they were doing, they were, um, they were taking all the, they were mis, um, abusing the the temple sacrifices. They were taking all the the good meat for themselves and 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 um, 
and so on. And so anyways, God raised up Samuel in the context of an, a priest, Eli, and his sons who were corrupt and, and preserves this, this young boy who hears from God at a young age and he's ministering in the presence, ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. Uh, and then at um, verse 19, it says, and Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And then all of Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord and that the Lord, that the Lord appeared to him at Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. And then I love this. So chapter three, verse one and two, the, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Now chapter four, God raises up to Samuel and the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. And so God raises up a prophet so that he can communicate his revelation to his people. Okay? And you know what? As, as Christians, we get the great privilege and honor of being his sheep who hear his voice. We get the great pr privilege and honor in being mouthpieces for God, being ambassadors for God, speaking his words and sharing his word with people. And God chooses to speak through, to and through the saints. I think that's a pretty profound thought. And some of us kind of feel sheepish about that. Like, oh, not me. You know, not little old me. God, speak to me. To speak to somebody else, no, not me. But he does that. And he loves to do that. He loves to communicate to his people. And he loves to communicate through his people. We are to represent him. And Samuel, as a prophet, was doing that. And he had this office of of uh, communicating what God wanted, and he was established as a prophet, okay? But Israel wanted a king, right? They wanted a king. They didn't want, they didn't want just a prophet. Uh, they wanted a king like the other nations, and so God gave that to them. Uh, just two things uh, about Samuel's spiritual leadership, and, and this is probably one of my favorite verses in 1 Samuel that has uh, really spoken to me as a leader. Um, so this is Samuel's farewell speech uh, to Israel. So he's um, doing what God, well, God says, okay, give them a king. They want a king, let them have a king. But just let them know that king's going to misuse his authority. He's going to mess things up. But give, go ahead and give it to him. And Samuel's giving this, this speech to him. He's older. He, he says, moreover, as for me, far be it that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I will instruct you in the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. So, so two aspects about spiritual leadership here, and I think this is applicable for any dad being the spiritual leader of your home, uh, any, any pastor, any... Um, uh, just, you know, a, a spiritual leader prays for others, inter intercedes for others. And in Samuel's eyes, in his, from his viewpoint, if he failed to do that, it was sin against God. Samuel felt a, a burden and a responsibility to be prayerful for those he, he was responsible for, to, to pray, to intercede for them. Um, and then... Uh, he was responsible to instruct them. Uh, he says, I will instruct you in the good and the right way. He was committed 
to pray for Israel, to continue to pray for Israel, even though they got their king. I mean, he could at this point, he, he could have been like, he could have been like, well, why don't you go get your king to pray for you now? Since he's king now, let him pray for you. He could have responded like that. You know, you wanted your king. Why don't you let him be your spiritual leader now? But he says, I will. I'll do it. And far be it from me that I, I cease to pray for you and I cease to instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And so he was committed to that. And that's that's a, that's a good model for, for spiritual leadership. Those are two important elements of spiritual leadership. If we're going to lead others, if we're going to disciple others, you want to pray for them. You want to instruct them and teach them in the way. And Samuel was willing to do that even at the risk of his own life and his own uh, position and his own popularity uh, because Samuel had to confront Saul in, in his sin. Saul, in his pride, uh, was disobeying God and was doing things out of order, and Samuel did that. So he confronts him in 1 Samuel 15 and 1 Samuel 13, and Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over uh, over Israel forever. But now your kingdom will, shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Who's that? Who's a man after God's own heart? And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people because you have not kept uh, what the Lord has commanded you. So, so Samuel was committed to confronting sin. He was, he was a prophet of God. He was instructing the people of God. He was interceding for the people of God. Um, so now let's look at Saul. Saul was the king that God permitted the Israelites to have, and he, he warned them ahead of time. Uh, so there's some significant character flaws within Saul that we can look at and be warned from that this is not the kind of leader any one of us want to be. And this is not the kind of leader that any of us want to serve underneath, right? Some of us have had some experiences where we've had leaders that may be like that, something like that, or, or at least in our minds we think they're like that. <laughs> um, so, so here's one, two things about Saul. He was impatient and disobedient. So he didn't wait. He was, was, he was like, all right, it's time. It's time to go. First uh, Samuel 13, he waited seven days the time appointed by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me, and, and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. If he would have waited just a little bit longer, it would have been all right. But he, he, he got impatient, and he's just like, I'm going I'm to do this myself. We don't need Samuel. You know, I got this. And so, so we, see, we see some arrogance, some pride, uh, presumption, uh, impatience, disobedience. Um, and, and Samuel confronts him. Verse 13, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord. Uh, so he, Saul was a man lacking character. Saul was a man lacking character. And for spiritual leadership, for any leadership, character is foundational. Okay? Character is foundational. I think that's one, one takeaway we can get from this book is that character is foundational for leadership. If, if you're going to bear the weight of responsibility, then you've got to have a foundation of character. And the more weight of responsibility you bear, the stronger and more solid your character has to be. Uh, if, if you build a building, 
that has a weak or faulty foundation, what's going to happen? The more pressure you get on it or the more pressure from the side, on top, what's going to happen? It's going to fall, right? And so character is foundational for leadership. We want leaders who have integrity and godly character, right? And we should seek to be leaders who have godly character. Amen? So that we can handle the weight of responsibility that is put upon our shoulders with the ability that, with the grace that God gives us. Um, Saul was hasty and rash. Um, he, he, um, so Saul had a son named Jonathan, and Jonathan and David became like like this. They were tight. I love love the description of their relationship in First Samuel, uh, and. And Saul made this vow, this oath, where he said, "Cursed be the man who eats food until until it, until evening, until it, it is evening, and I have avenged the the my on my enemies." And so none of the people tasted food. So this was kind of a like a hastily like like why why are you even what's the point? Did God even you know tell you to do that? Why are you doing this? You know nobody eat until we you know take, take get get revenge on these guys. And this was actually not helpful for the army. So Jonathan, Saul's son, didn't know about this oath. And Jonathan sees some honey, and he goes and he eats it. And he gets strengthened from that honey, and actually it's, it's, it's helpful for him. And, and he, so I'll, I'll read it. And then when the people, let's see, so none of the people tasted food. Um, and then when the people entered the forest, behold, the honey was dropping uh, but no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with the oath, so he put the tip of his staff, of the staff that was in his hand, and dipped it in the honeycomb and put it to his mouth, and his eyes became bright. Ah, honey. You know, if you're real hungry and you haven't eaten for a while and you, you need some carbs, you need something sweet to kind of give you some energy, you know, you're all of a sudden revived, uh, especially if you've been working hard. So he, his eyes became bright, and then one of the people said, Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed be the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint. And then Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. See how my eyes have become bright, because I tasted a little of honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies that they found. For now the defeat among the Philistines uh, has not been great. So anyways, um, Saul was hasty and rash. Uh, he was impatient. Um, Saul feared man. So he, he was moved by the fear of, of man, what the people thought. And this is, this is huge just for life and being, being just a person who enjoys life. The fear of man is a snare, the proverb says. It's a trap, and it will squeeze the life out of you. But if you're a leader and you're ensnared to the fear of man, Life really stinks then, because then you're trying to please everybody, and you can't please everybody. You're like you're like a gerbil on a wheel, just running round and round and round. You just can't do it. You can't please everybody. There is one person that we should ultimately seek to please, and that is God. And good leaders seek to please God and Him, Him and for, Him first and foremost. Okay. And then if you're married, you seek to please your spouse, all right? A good husband or a good wife seeks to please their spouse, and then so on, the family, the children, so on. But God is the first and foremost. And, and so um, Saul, saw, he, he, he feared the people. He's, he confessed his sin. By the way, 
We can we can confess. It's possible for somebody to confess their sin, but still not repent and not be repentant. It's possible to have a confession. Oh, I was wrong. I sinned, but not have repentance. We see um, uh, Pharaoh, uh, you know, has something similar to that in the book of Exodus. We see Saul like he he's not responding like David did in Psalm 51. You know, have mercy on me. Create in me a clean heart, O God. He's not responding with that repentant, broken heart. Todd, can you turn the AC down a little bit? I see a couple folks. I see one person with a fan over there. (laughs) Thank you. So, So Saul feared the people. And that's what, and that's what he blamed his disobedience on. Uh, was his, his, he said, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me, that I may bow before the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord. The Lord has rejected you from being king. And Samuel turned away, turned to go away, and Saul seized his skirt and tore it. The guys were wearing skirts back then. It's kind of weird. He seized his skirt and he tore it. And Samuel said, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you this day and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the glory of Israel will not lie or have regret. Uh, The glory of Israel will not lie or have regret for he is not a man that he should have regret. And so on. So uh, 1 Samuel 18, 29, Saul was even more afraid of David. David was becoming successful. God was with him. The favor of God was upon his life. And Saul was afraid of him. It was threatening to him. Of course, Samuel at this point had anointed David as king. Okay, um, and, and so David was going to become king. And so Saul was David's enemy um, continually. This is interesting because... Um, David was not in any way trying to, to attack or harm Saul. David, David was serving him. Actually, so uh, let's, let me, well, I'll get there in just a minute. Last couple of things here is that Saul was insecure, angry, violent, and jealous. Okay? Those are bad qualities for a leader, especially for a king. Okay? Um, you don't want a president that has these qualities. Okay? Right? You don't want a president who's just going to blow up and, and start chunking spears at you and get you because he thinks you're, you're after him. Right? You don't want a king like that. You don't want a pastor like that. You don't want a boss like that. You don't, you don't want a spouse like that. You, know, you don't want you don't want to be in relationship with somebody who's unpredictable and just, you know, uh, a loose cannon. Right? Especially, you know, when, when they have power, um, world power in their hands. Uh, so Paul was, or Saul was angry. He was he was violent. He was jealous. Um, verse eleven there it says he hurled the spear for he thought I will pin David to the wall. I mean, can you just imagine? David's just this little old shepherd boy. He comes to serve in the king's palace. Um, Saul Saul had this tormenting spirit. This is interesting. So so when 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 Saul um, rejected God and God rejected him. Uh, it says that the spirit of the Lord left him. Okay. By the way, that gives some insight to you know when when David sinned in Psalm fifty one. Why one of the things he said, "Take not your holy spirit from me, cast me not away from your presence, O God." That was important to David. 
that his relationship with God would not be hindered. Uh, when he repented, that's, that's what he was focused on. Uh, so David was running for his life. David was, God protected him, shielded him. Uh, listen to this d- description of David. So when Saul had this tormenting spirit coming over him, like it was like vexing to his soul, uh, somebody had this idea to get get this get a somebody who could play play the harp, you know, play some music and soothe soothe the soul of Saul. And whenever David would play, like the spirit would leave that spirit, tormenting spirit would leave him or leave him alone. And and so this is a description. Somebody says, "Hey, behold, I've seen the son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war." Prudent in speech, a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. Hey, get that guy. Let him come on in and play the play the harp for you. You know that'll be good. And so David just innocently, you know, he's in there serving the king, and Saul's chunking spears at him. He's jealous of him. He's upset at him. And 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 Saul sees him as we saw back here. He sees David as an enemy. So Saul was David's enemy continually. Imagine trying to work for somebody like that, that is out to kill you. And you're just trying to serve God and love God. Yeah? Um, so David David was courageous. Um, we see um, in, you know, he fought Goliath. That's probably the most, most famous passage, most familiar passage we all know in 1 Samuel. It's 1 Samuel 17 where David sees Goliath and, and uh, he sees what's going on. Uh, let's see, First Samuel 16. Uh, David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go fight, this, fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And, and, where, and when there came a lion or a bear to, and, and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Can you just picture this? This little shepherd boy. David's like, I took out a lion and a bear. I'll take out this Goliath guy. This, this was a, a young man who was full of courage because God was with him. God was upon his life, and he was faithful when nobody else was looking but God. He was faithful with the little task that God had given him. He was faithful as a, as a shepherd boy. And, and by the way, those, those, obscure, those years of obscurity where nobody sees and you're being faithful, God sees it in that God is preparing you for what he has for you. Amen? Um, so, and God was, God was preparing David for what God had for David through Saul, even through Saul attacking him and coming after him. God was, God was getting any of the Saul out of David before David became king. David was not going to be like Saul. He was a man after God's own heart. He was not going to be an angry, violent jealous, selfish, prideful, impatient leader. David had a negative example there to be warned from. Uh, uh, There's a book that I read. Um, I I did a two-year leadership track some years ago, um, probably when I was 19, 20. um, 
And one of the books I had to read was A Tale of Three Kings. Has anybody read that? A Tale of Three Kings by King Edward. So it was about Saul, David, and um, Solomon. What's that? Absalom. Oh, Absalom. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and so, it, it, yeah. So anyways, it, I remember it having significant impact on me and, and just kind of thinking about the way God was preparing David for, for his leadership role that he had for him. Uh, don't count whatever adversity you face, um, the challenges and obstacles you face in life and with leadership and where you're at. Don't count those as being wasted. God, God uses those things to shape our character, to mold us and shape us into the people he's called us to be. Amen. Um, so David, David had integrity and honor for authority. So so David's on the run for, for quite some time. David, he has some guys with him. He has, he has this little, you know, this little posse that, that's rolling with him. And they're hiding. They're, they're in a cave hiding from Saul and his army who's trying to kill him, okay? And David had fought battles for Saul, okay? He, he, bought, he fought Goliath and he, you know, David, you know, it shouldn't have been like this. So Saul's trying to kill him and they're... They're all in this cave, like deep in this cave, okay? And then Saul has to use the restroom. So this is out in the wilderness or wherever. Saul has to go relieve himself is what the, what the scripture says there in verse, um, let's see, where's that at? What's that, verse 3? Yep, he went, verse 3. So Saul went to relieve himself, and David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said, here is the day of which the Lord has said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. And David arose and stealthily cut the corner of Saul's robe. So quietly, so he, he was able to do that without Saul knowing. Uh, I was just trying to picture, what did this look like? You know, what was, how did he do that? How did he, how did he not know? Um, was Saul like talking to himself or whatever? Um, did he have a tormenting spirit going on there? Um, and so he rose stealthily, cut the corner of his robe, and afterwards David's heart struck him. He was he was convicted. He was convicted about this because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. His guys would tell him, "This is it. Kill him. Get him. He's been trying to kill you. This is your time. You've been anointed as king. Take it." You know, right? How, how many of us would give give him some counsel like that? How many of us have some friends that give us counsel like that? All right, get revenge now. Now's your time, right? Okay. David's like, he's convicted just by cut, just because he cut the corner of his robe off. Okay? That that this this is integrity and this is honor for authority, respect for authority. David had this significantly, and that's important for any leader. Because this was this is what helped prepare David and what helped make David the leader that he was. He recognized the importance of the Lord's anointed, even when the Lord's anointed was corrupt and flawed and trying to kill him unjustly. Um, but but listen, you know what? His heart struck him, and he said, "The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed." David had a respect for authority, and he recognized that ultimately God was the king, that God was sovereign, and that God was working through circumstances. I love at one point David 
is being cursed by this guy on the on the road um, or in the wilderness or wherever they're at. And and one of David's guys, go, he, he's being cursed, and one of David's guys is like, let me just cut this guy's head off right now. Let me just take him out. And David's like, no, no, maybe through him cursing me here today, God's going to bring blessing and good to me in some way. See, David had this like high view of the sovereignty of God, that God was working through even like unpleasant, difficult, hard circumstances. And when you read the Psalms, you get that. You see that. You see some of these prayers, awesome prayers that came out of David's wilderness time when he's running for his life or he's just trying to make it. And we read those. And when we're in those times, we find those Psalms so refreshing to our soul. That's exactly what I needed to hear right now because there's there's somebody who went through it survived it and thrived and, and got out on the other side um so david had integrity and honor for authority um saul uh, at the end of this he comes out david shows saul hey i you know sorry i cut the corner of your robe and saul says you're he weeps saul weeps he's he feels bad you know and he says you're you're more righteous than i am david now I know the Lord for, for sure. He's, he's anointed you as king. You're going to be king. And Saul's like, just, just, you know, but still he's out to get David, you know. But David makes it, and him and his posse get by. And so let, let me finish up here with just a couple of lessons here from the book of First Samuel. And I've already said this. Um, these are lessons for life, less, lessons for leadership. Character is foundational for leadership. If you're going to lead anybody, you got to have character. You've got to let God shape and form godly character in you. Challenges are necessary in preparation for leadership because they can build character, and leadership is full of challenges. Okay? Leadership is full of challenges. So the challenges that we face when we don't have as much leadership, let those shape you. Learn to trust God with those. Learn Get the wisdom of God concerning those smaller challenges and less pressure and less responsibility and less weight so that when God gives you more, that you, that you don't crumble underneath the weight of the responsibility. So, And then you can flourish and fulfill God's call even under poor leadership. You can bloom, you can blo- bloom where you're planted. Um, it's another book I read uh, in that leadership deal. Uh, you can bloom where you're planted, you know. You know, Samuel ministered in the presence of Eli and, and his sons, and he, you know, there was some poor leadership there. David under Saul, um, and, and we see, um, yeah, that God can still fulfill his plans even when we have leaders that aren't doing what's right or, or, or poor leaders. Um, tr- you can trust God to bring the path he plans for your life, just like David did. As, as the video said, he was an example of somebody who trusts God who waited patiently for God. Wait, and over and over in the Psalms, we hear those words, you know, my soul wait patiently for the Lord. My, I, I wait for God, for, for him alone comes my salvation. Wait, my God, wait, 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 wait. We don't like that. You know, I went to In-N-Out Burger today, and I was thinking, they're a lot longer than like Wendy's or McDonald's. They take longer to make their burgers for some reason, but they're good, and they're worth the wait, Okay. They're worth the wait. I'm going to wait a little bit longer. I'm going to pay you a little bit more because I want an In-N-Out burger. All right? Um, waiting culturally, we're, we're just not good at it. I mean, because we're, we're, we're used to getting stuff so fast. 
Um, but but God's process and his timetable is different than ours. And so we we must avoid being like Saul and try to do stuff presumptuously in our lean on our own understanding and our own timing. God will bring the pass his good plans for us and then be faithful where God has you. And don't give up. Just be faithful. Serve him. Trust him. Be faithful. Obey God's voice and wait for him. Don't get ahead of God. So there, those are some um, some lessons for leadership. We have some questions here. My wife has them. Um, anybody got a question or a comment before we close and split up with discussion groups? No? All right. All right. We'll, s- we'll have the ladies over here, the guys over here. And uh, we've got five questions to discuss. We're going to wrap up at 830. All right. Thank you all.